Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Make Do. I'm Tiff Arment. I'm Julia Scott. And today we have a very special guest with us uh, joining the show. It's studio mate Jamie. Hi, Jamie. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) I finally got her out of the studio and into this studio, the recording studio, (laughs) to record a podcast with us because I keep talking about her like she is this phantom person and she's very much real and she's here with us and... I just I love the things that we talk about together in the studio and I wanted to bring her here and have her talk about those things with our um with our make do audience friends people I don't know I feel so close to them because we've been getting such great feedback from everybody right Julia We really really have and I I really want to thank everyone for for all kinds of responses to the last episode it was it was scary but gratifying to to put that out into the world. Uh, I want to make a, a quick clarification that nobody actually like called me out on. It's just like I realized it listening back to it that it might have sounded a little unclear that uh, ADHD and autism aren't mental illnesses. They're neuroatypicalities uh, or, you know, neural sort of dysfunctions, but they, they do come with challenges that make life hard, which is something that I deal with. But I wanted to make that clear that there is a distinction between mental illness and like atypical brain stuff but i'm also sort of 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 two minds about jamie being here because part of me is like oh this mythical creature i finally get to talk to her (laughs) but part of me is like also like she's kind of like a black and white unicorn (laughs) so so she's kind of like a a a zebra with a horn (laughs) (laughs) but part of me is also like but it's also fun when you have this weird mythical creature to refer to like wilson on tool time or something (laughs) (laughs) but i am really happy that you're here Oh, thank you. I'm I'm um honored. I love you guys. I listen to you when I'm in the studio and um Tiffany's not there. Um so, using my so formal name. <laughs> I, <laughs> Tiffany. Uh, <clears throat> studio mate Tiff because um well, it's inspiring for me too to hear you guys talk about creativity. Um and I love what you say and I often talk back uh <laughs> while I'm listening. So, this is um yeah, this is exciting for me. Well, tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, That's an easy question, right? <laughs> Just go for it. I have brown hair, um, gray-blue eyes, I think. They I like to color. call Jamie the real artist in our studio because she went to art school. So Yeah. That's, and she knows her stuff and she tells me not to see lines. <laughs> that's, can you ask me a question that's more specific? <laughs> okay, so let's, let's start with... Uh, were you always into art, like as a kid? Yes. And uh, <laughs> I think what I want to say too is I love how you guys – no, I don't love how you guys question if you're artists. <laughs> I, I kind of want to come here today and say, yes, you absolutely are artists. There's no capital A. There's no lowercase a. Um, you were born artists. We all were, all of the ones out there drawing and painting and making and doing. Um, it's its just how you were born. And for me, um, it's, it's the way you see the world. So I saw the world in, in images and colors um, and feelings. And that's my, that's my favorite way to communicate. I'm actually not the best with words. So um, images and making and doing were my way of talking. As a child, I was, I was very sensitive. 
Um, and that's just how I spoke. So I didn't know what that meant. I, you know, I was thinking back, um, we moved a lot when I was a kid. My dad is a boat builder and we just kind of moved up and down the coast, the East coast of the United States. Um, uh, wait, pause. That, that sounds like I'm imagining that's like an amazing and a horrible way to grow up. <laughs> like Absolutely. it sounds so cool, but also kind of chaotic. Yes. And, tra- and traumatic. I think when you move so much and you have to fit in and you have to figure out who you are and at a young age and you're not sure of yourself yet. And so especially for someone sensitive and shy to like go into a new first grade class and be like, yeah, this is who I am. And you don't even know. But what but what I remembered was my mom in every house we had would find a space for me. It was actually my first studio she made in this little hidden secret room. She like let me paint on the walls. She gave me everything I needed. We didn't have much money, but she would always find a a, a place for me to create. And then what really happened was um, we moved when I was in middle school. We moved from Maine, which was so magical and beautiful. And we moved to a, the suburbs of Baltimore, which... We're, were a big shock. It was a big culture change. And um, she found a high school, uh, an arts high school. And she was like, this is, this is where, you, why don't we audition? Why don't you audition to get in here? And it saved me. I couldn't go to the regular high school. I didn't know what to do there. So, so yeah, I went to a high school for art. But before that, what was, was being someone who made and created and, and was artsy, was that your identity to the point that other people knew about it? Or was that something that you hid for yourself? Because with some people there, like, especially if they're, you know, a little shy and sensitive, that can still be the thing that helps you relate. Like if you're good at, you know, drawing characters, or you draw, you know, people's pets or something that can give you not necessarily an edge, but that can be what the way that you find to relate with people. You know, yes, I do know what you're saying, and no, um, I was the quiet one that went home and did it on my own. And I can tell you, the kids, I remember their names, um, the ones that were amazing at drawing eagles, and <laughs> the girl who was bound to be an artist. They were very vocal about it, and I, I wasn't. No, it's always been a private thing for me, and. And that's exactly what happened when I met Tiffany. <laughs> <laughs> she basically hucked Finn me into painting a fence with her. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like as I'm walking, I'm walking by, do to do, minding my own business. And she's outside and she's like, hey, you over there, help me paint this fence. It'll be fun. <laughs> so our first hangout was us painting together. I mean, it happened a little bit differently than yeah, that, but it, yeah. basically that's, okay, I have to, that's was what this, went down. Was this like... <laughs> How old were you at this point? No, hold on. Hold no, this on. is like a few years ago. A few <laughs> grown ladies. The way you tell it is so different from how I remember. <laughs> Isn't so that the way? I remember um, we would walk We walk down the, the same trail. It goes in front of my house. And we would walk back and forth from preschool. And Tiffany was always a little ahead of me. Like she was just, she had like a mission to get home. And I would sort of lollygag. And then one day we were in sync. And we were walking together 
And I remember, this is my memory, um, talking about ourselves and who we were and what we do besides just being moms. When the conversation switches over to like, okay, yeah, you're a mom, but what do you really do? And I remember, I remember sort of whispering, like, well, I went to art school and uh, I can paint things. I also like photography, but I was very quiet about it. It felt like something, it was a big secret. I wasn't ready to share that yet. What made you want to share it with her, though? Oh, because she embodied everything. (laughs) It was the same. It was like talking to a... um, well, we're from the same place. It, we actually have the same birthday. We have the same birthday. <laughs> same <laughs> year? Wild. No, different year, yeah. but same, very close. It doesn't, you know, just a year or two off, but like we have the same birthday. I think that that is kind of a crazy thing that happened. It's just when you meet someone that speaks the same language, they see the world, this, they, they, see the, they see the world through that same kind of magical place i don't know but that does also i i do think that's kind of i mean sweet in one way and then like depressing in the other way that we keep talking about (laughs) is that both of you saw or see a confidence in the other that they maybe don't see in themselves that's so true yeah oh i really like uh julia therapist (laughs) (laughs) it's very good well I, i do i i very much believe that she came along at the right time for me um, and hopefully vice versa, but... Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. I um, You awoke my creative side. Oh, we are <laughs> woke. Um, I, I needed that person to whisper to and admit the truth. You know, yes, I, I started a family and I love this and I, I put all my creative, creative energy into my family and my, and my homemaking. Um, but what I really want to do... And that was wonderful to be able to say that. And she she recognized that in me and really um, she brought it out. I, I tried to start a little studio at home. It, it just didn't click. There's too many things at home distracting you. And um, she found our studio and convinced me to do it with her. And, oh, that's a whole nother thing. Which is funny because the way that I've been told this story is that you convinced her. Interesting. So I think it's that you like, I think it's maybe that thing where, which is what I do for TIFF apparently, is that you can see someone else's needs and like convince them that they deserve something long before you could ever convince yourself. Yes. Yeah, that's so right. Yep. It's so true. We're all very, very smart for other people always. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know, right? We all have those. It's that like you don't follow your own advice situation mm-hmm. where you you just you have great advice for other people and then you need to step back sometimes and realize that that advice was just as much for yourself as it was for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That whole thing of like, would you ever talk to a friend the way you talk to yourself? Mm-hmm. So backing up, though, before before uh, before you started a family. So you went to an, an arts high school which to me sounds like a dream, was it? Or was it oh, still... Oh, God, it was amazing. It was amazing. It saved me. And and that's when I can start talking about... Um, I really, really, really struggled after we moved um, in middle school. I developed... I was so depressed. Um, 
I took it out of myself. You know, it was it was a very dark time. And my mom, as usual, recognized I needed a creative outlet. And and when she found that school, it oh it it saved me. Art has saved me many times. And what's interesting though is you deny yourself sometimes. So I went to art school for high school and it was a dream and we all kind of again I met I met my people. I found the same people talking the same way and seeing the same way and it, it's just a wonderful thing especially in high school. Um that's a really strange time. And so for the teachers to give us the respect that they did to allow, to teach us all the rules and, and allow us to find our voices and break the rules and experiment. And we had studios senior year and we had shows. Um, you worked really hard and you had a senior show. And, and, you know, you're working to get into college and everyone's looking at different art colleges and everyone's encouraging each other. It was incredible. Was, was painting always your thing or were you like a multi-artist? Multi-artist. It came from a fa- my dad's side um, are photographers. So uh, that was always there. I lived in the dark room um, in high school. I would always just take my lunch break in the dark room. Um, but painting became, painting was the way that I spoke, I think. And photography was a, uh, was kind of the way to reveal some of how I saw. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, I wanted to, photography for me was capturing beauty or capturing those moments. And I'm, I'm so happy to hear though that or at least the way it sounds is that your parents didn't pressure you to be someone else that you weren't or to be like, oh, it's a problem that she's not super verbal or super vocal, that they were like, well, this is your thing. This is how you interact with the world. Because that can be so, so destructive if if your parents don't get your either problem or difference or, you know, whatever it might be. Absolutely. Yeah. My, uh, I think I w- well, I was extremely lucky to have the parents I had, being who I who I am. Um, my dad, he he wanted he had dreams of being an artist. He was an he is an artist. Um, he, he, he he builds beautiful boats. Yeah, he's right? a boat builder. He's uh, the women. And Jamie also knows how to build boats, so don't let her fool you. The well, <laughs> no, the um. The whimsy that he puts into things, like he he built a boat cradle for my sons that is just so, it's just so beautiful. So he wanted to be an artist when he was younger. My mom is super creative, even though she doesn't think she is. But um, she made puppets when I was little and sold them. And she worked on movie sets, making miniature cities that would, you know, that are the um, that are shot like their cities. Um, she was really, they they were both very creative and they saw that in me. Yeah. And they didn't say it was wrong. I also realized as you we were talking about photography in dark rooms, especially because you would think with me, you know, being a sort of vibrate person that that wouldn't be, be it for me. But I don't remember ever feeling like anxious or, or, like hyperactive in the dark room something just uh-huh. slowed down like i was patient 
in the dark room in a way that I wasn't. And and I think that patience is something that I find in a lot of artistic pursuits. Like yeah. not necessarily like I'm not patient in the sense that I'm like I will get better slowly. Definitely not. That is the last thing I ever am. But patient in the in the sense that I I can wait for things to develop literally and figuratively yeah. <laughs> like in the in in the time that they take i can be incredibly impatient as well but to be like this is the magic and i will wait and time time will work in a slightly different way as i'm waiting for the slowly sloshing wi- liquids to do their thing you know but that's just it it's magic <laughs> magic is therapeutic and magic is in the art making and i and that's why it's good for your brain. You know, I, I was misdiagnosed um, ADD, but <laughs> I have this theory that being an artist can be misdiagnosed as so many things. Mm-hmm. But you, it's like, it's, I'm not ignoring you. I'm just paying attention to something way more important. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, you, you can appear distracted, but it's really, maybe you're daydreaming, but it's, you're just you're taking in the world. Um, I don't know. I have I have a lot of thoughts on that, but I also agree with treating anything that's getting in your way of being an artist, um, softening those edges that that are too sharp and hurt. Yeah, and I think that's uh, if we take it slightly back to the last episode, is something that people forget as well is that ADHD. And for that matter, a lot of autism spectrum disorders can really only be diagnosed if they interfere with your daily life and the life that you want to live. If mm-hmm. you have a lot of ADHD traits, but it doesn't really interfere in a way that, that you feel and that makes you frustrated and sad, then it's just like, maybe you just don't think on other people are that interesting. Or maybe, you know, whatever it may be like, that's a very important diagnostic criterion that I think people forget when when people go like, oh, everyone has a little bit of ADHD. Everyone has a little bit. And it's like, no, you don't. Because if you did, you'd be sadder about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When it gets in the way, when it's preventing you from being the best you, the one that you want to be, the one that you want to share and um, yeah. So what was your senior show? I don't think I've ever asked that. <laughs> my, well, my senior show was everything. It's, it was it, basically my artwork. I started doing these very large paintings about my childhood. Were they all boats? No, <laughs> no. Um, there were a few boats. So senior years when I, I guess I found a style, uh, a way of putting um, what I thought saw and thought on the canvas, it, it finally felt like me. I was I was no longer just learning all the rules and practicing everything they were teaching me. I I it was Jamie. There I, I saw me on the canvas. I saw how I see things and and um, the colors that I love and the memories that I have and the dreams and. Um, they became just that was the year of therapy. So, making these paintings about my childhood, basically, my whole senior show was my life. Uh, it was, um, I had you walked up the stairs in our high school, and at the top, I had this huge painting about my family, about my parents and their marriage, and um, everything. It was a tangled web of plants from all over the places that I 
had moved. And I just, I, it was, it was everything. I, I, that's the only way I can. I think you should describe your style a little bit because I've seen Jamie's oh, paintings. So hard. And okay, I'll describe it because uh, <laughs> I've seen her paintings. Yeah, Tiff, Tiff, you describe it. Jamie, you object. <laughs> and her half of the studio. What do you What do you say? The half oh, of the sure. She, okay. I, uh, my side is like tropical pink land, and um, she's the creepy nursery. Of, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's what you said. You said it. And no. It was funny because you're you're laughing at yourself, but right. at the same time, it's. So her paintings are very soft, very ethereal. Um, she doesn't paint with a lot of paint. She tend, We hear a lot of wiping from her side of the studio. She <laughs> will p- put the pigment down and then wipe it away. And it's almost the, the essence of what is left. The colors, it's yes. kind of like a whisper of colors of her color scheme. I can see. I can, I'm on this. You got it. I listen. Um, <laughs> it would be described as winter beach. <laughs> Because it's that soft, like there are bold colors there, but the hints of bold colors behind kind of fog and and um, mist. And it is, it's really very beautiful and tranquil, but a little bit spooky. Mm-hmm. And I I really like Jamie's style. It's, it's unlike anything Thank I've you. seen before, because I tend to gravitate towards um, really abstract, very bold things or um hyper realism and jamie is none of those things in her paintings it's she's the total opposite but the funny thing is whenever i edit photos i throw ten thousand filters on to kind of like desaturate and add layers of haze and and try and find that ethereal whisper element from a photograph which generally would be obviously hyper realism because it's real and so like you're I try and dull down what is real and then a painting I try and amp it up to be even more vibrant and real and so I I really interesting appeal to Jamie's style in that way because I I see I like that in photography so I I really like her paintings so that's that's how I would describe them thank you that makes me wonder if you know, as as someone from from Sweden, which I think has a lot in common with with Maine, it makes me wonder if there's something of Maine left there because it sounds like the things that the oh, elements Julia. and winter <laughs> do to colors, you know, those faded like coming to an old cabin in the winter <sighs> and what what like salt and snow and sun and elements will do to everything, to paintings, to wood, to furniture, um. Do, do you get what I'm saying? Like that sort of harsh, the, the the beauty that harshness leaves behind? Do I get what you're saying? <laughs> you just said everything. <laughs> I think you just put it into words. I, Maine is the ghost in my life. It it made such an impact. It was, it was just my, it was... Maybe, the, maybe that's where you were born first, and then the second time was when you were allowed to find yourself again at a high school. Because I think that you can be born somewhere much later in life than when you're born born. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. she was good. Tiff's like, this is what she does. Uh, um, yes. <laughs> this is no. what I do. And then I sit there and I think about it for a little while. <laughs> Julie gets to trim out all the silences. And see, what's interesting is this is usually, I'm usually, 
I'm usually the one asking the questions because I always want to understand the hearts and the minds of everyone around me. And nobody really does this to me. Yeah, um, Jamie is the interviewer. She gets every time, <laughs> every time people hang well, out with her, they cry. Because, no. <laughs> <laughs> because she asks these questions that really make you think about yourself. And she listens so intently and in such a beautiful way that you just feel like you're being heard by somebody for sometimes the first time. And oh my gosh, that's I'm the biggest I compliment <laughs> ever. <laughs> and I'm so glad you're here. And where am I going with this? But yeah. Is she your original herd and hugged? Yeah, she is. Oh. Well, she is. Yeah, she really is. My Huck Finn. Oh, uh, well, it, vice versa. <laughs> I yeah. was whispering for so long and now and now I'm speaking. And and that's something um Tiffany being that's a that's you know a whole another thing to talk about is now and being with Tiffany in the studio and I, um I can't even tell you the ther- the therapy of making and painting again is incredible. Um but sharing that space with Tiffany and the the way that she gets me out the way that she pulls me out and and like can you believe I'm the extrovert in this relationship I can <laughs> I the fact that I can paint next to somebody or talk while painting or show my process that's huge that's that's all because of Tiff how that's because she made me do it. <laughs> we only have one room. <laughs> yeah, no, she was like, hey, let's do this. We're going to do this together. Us. There was an us. Um, I'd always, I'd really, I'd, I'd always hidden away. I was just telling her yesterday at the studio um, that when I painted, it was, I would just find a corner and turn away from everybody, keep my canvas, you know, block because we would paint in big rooms and in school and I would just find the corner and go over there or I would paint between the hours of midnight and three <laughs> uh, when everyone was asleep in my house it's you know yeah and, and this is where, where my sort of inner poetic writer comes out because I'm like well you can either turn away from people or hide your canvas you can't do both because <sighs> either because either you turn your back on people and then your canvas is so that other people can see it yeah. Or you hide your canvas, but then you have to face other people, like both very much literally and very much figuratively. Well, her canvases are pretty big. They hide her too. <laughs> I can, that's why they're big, so I can hide mine. Um, but let me, what you just said about where I was born, um, I love that. I love how you said that. I, I was born, uh, my parents lived on a beach in North Carolina, and that, and my mom's family's from the south, and my dad's family's from the north. And um, I have this sort of push and pull towards both. Maine was, Maine is the soul of me. There's something there: the the trees, the sky, the sunset, the mussel shells, the the rocks, um, the rugged coast, the chill in the air. I, Maine is me, but there is a there is a southern thing too. I manners are important to me. Um, I don't know. There's, I have both, but yeah, Maine, I missed Maine so much when we moved to Baltimore and, um, that came out, the colors of Maine came out in my paintings and my senior show was all about that. The loss 
Um, I experienced moving, the traumas in my childhood, um, the things I was experiencing as a teenager and what was going on with my family and um, my senior show was everything. And then that brings me to college because um, I did, I got into a few art schools. I couldn't afford to go to actually the my top picks. I stayed in Baltimore. I went to the Maryland Institute College of Art. It was an incredible school. But I experienced some things in college that that were traumatic. And I um, ended up losing the paintings from my senior show. And so I quit. Because you lost the paintings or because of everything going on? Well, it was everything going on. And then that was the final straw. Because those meant, those just, those were my, you know, that was, that was my life. It felt like I, I had lost a person. I I had lost a part of myself. So I, that, you know, when I look back at the trajectory and I look back at the, the events at that time and why I, I quit art school, I stopped painting. Um, Instead, I went sailing. I picked this other thing that, oh, well, you know what? Maybe I'm just not an artist. Maybe that's not what I'm supposed to do because I didn't want to sell my paintings. I didn't want to go into the gallery scene. Um, I just had never, it had never been that for me. I used to just make paintings and give them away or make a painting because someone was in pain and I wanted them to feel better. Um, it wasn't about money. So I didn't know what that, I didn't know what it meant anymore. You know, you're at this point as you're a young adult and you're supposed to figure out how you're going to make money. And all of a sudden art, my, my paintings were gone. Um, and I didn't want to make money. I didn't want to ro- start painting again and selling selling it. That ties so much into like our ideas of value. And oh, as an guys. adult, like it's like when you're young, you can create stuff and make things and you don't even, I, I think about our kids bringing home like their paintings and the things that they create and it's so pure. They just yeah, they just do it and they're proud of it and they're happy and then they move on to the next thing. And it's like all of a sudden there there becomes a shift in our lives as 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 you say, the people who are born with art in their veins, right? Mm-hmm. Like you decide you have to decide like okay now if i want to make money with this or i don't then it, it goes away and it's like why do we have to make that decision why does that decision feel so weighted that you have to move on with your life and give up the silliness that is creating things or put it on like a super back burner as a as a small little hobby like a glimmer in your life and then or you have to become this thing where you are now the big capital A earning all the money artist that you're doing this for a profession. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to do it for a profession, which I mean, I feel like a lot of us don't, you know, like, I don't want to make macrame as a profession. I just want to go tie some string on some driftwood. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But that feels like it's a silly waste of time now as an adult. But it wouldn't have been a waste of time when you were a teenager and just or even younger than that, like exploring stuff. And it feels like that crossroads where you have to make that decision is so harsh. And it is. It's it's the growing up and the adulting. Mm-hmm. And I and I, that's what's so beautiful about our relationship um, is I feel like you 
reminded me it wasn't over. I feel like you did the same for me. I mean, like this whole with us creating the studio together that we go to and work in and we, as Jamie has put it so well in the past and has continually convinced me that this is your therapy time. Like this is, you wouldn't cancel a therapy appointment. You wouldn't um, turn, you know, like if you had any other thing to do, you wouldn't dismiss it as easily. It's like, this is just you time. Like, and it's fine and it doesn't have to make money and it doesn't have to be anything more than that. And that's like the studios, it's almost like a reawakening to that childhood, innocent, like not caring about what you're making and just making it for the joy of making it and just enriching your life in that way and just making you happy. And I feel like not a lot of us allow ourselves that joy in the things that we love. It doesn't even have to be art. It could be anything that you allow yourself to, you know, fix up old cars, you allow yourself to garden, you allow yourself this time that doesn't really provide value in the sense of monetary value or advancing any kind of career or it really doesn't do anything except just make you happy. And isn't that what life is? Like you just want to kind of be happy and satisfied and feel good about yourself at the end of the day. And sometimes it's just really nice to look at the thing and say, I spent time doing this and I'm just proud of it. And that is enough that I feel proud of this. And it moves you on to the next day. And I think that because when you're a kid and you make things, if you're a very makey kid, because I'm almost all kids make things and draw kid things. But if you're a very makey, you know, small kid and slightly bigger kid, then you do sort of hit that period where it feels like you have to decide if it is who you are. Like, I am an artist. I am a painter. Like, this is my thing. And then you really, really have to decide it. And it's, you can't just be like, this is a thing that I really love. You like it, you have to decide, am I an artist or am I not? And I could see also if you've then, for better or for worse, found this opportunity to truly put yourself in something that you made and, you know, work through things and really pour yourself out into it. And it's like a piece of who you are that is that is both a sort of also a blessing and a curse because it's that you know if if you've if you if you put your heart in a box to keep it safe like the giants in the in the fairy tales you put it and you hide it somewhere else so no one can hurt you but that also means that you're vulnerable as well like your heart is somewhere else oh yes <clears throat> i also feel like all of these the idea of labeling something like we talk a lot about labeling capital a little lowercase a what what are you are you an artist are you a writer are you a like giving yourselves all these labels it's just it's murdering creativity <laughs> like, <laughs> well it, that it, was the thing i wanted to come here and say so much is i i love listening to you guys and i wish you would just let that go <laughs> say you're artists you're artists you're some of my favorite artists. Um, part, of, part of me is really enjoying the idea of someone who used to not speak now yelling at us from her <laughs> studio. Oh, I, I oh, yeah, am. She's very, she's very loud. She, I, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really do. I get really passionate about it. I go home and I talk to my husband and I'm like, okay, so they were talking about this. And then I was like, well, guys, but also, well, just don't forget. And that's what I do. <laughs> Where were we? I, I, see, I'm trying to think of a of a more eloquent way of asking. So then, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, we were talking about how you quit and then moved on to 
sailing. Oh, right. And then and then what? No, but like, I'm also curious, like with the sailing, did you like sign on a boat? Were you a, yes. I don't know the words for, not a coxswain, that's the guy in the tiny rowy boat. I was, but like a, I, I was a schooner bum. That's what it's called. There's I'm a, four years old. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> there's, you know, there's ski bums and there's schooner bums. Um, a schooner's a sailboat. I know that from mall rats. A schooner's a sailboat. It's a, a schooner tall ship. is a sailboat. <laughs> Let's not make this about boats. But um, yeah, no, I that was my, you know, that was always there. My nautical family from Maine and my dad was a boat builder. And so that was always there. I love sailing. And and I realized that was another therapy was being on the ocean and sailing and and being rugged. And um, there's a tomboy in me. So that was just another side I had to go explore. And um, it was they're traditionally rigged boats with real rope and real canvas sails, and you work really hard to make the boat move. And I got caught up in that world because sailors are a, such an incredible community of creative people too. They're you know they're looking for adventure, but they're also sensitive souls, and a um, there's a lot of beauty there. So. I did that and I was like, okay, I'm a deckhand. I'm a first mate. Should I get my captain's license? And when it got to that point, I realized it it wasn't my dream I was pursuing. It was my dad's. And that was great. That was really good for me to realize and talk to my dad about. And, and at that point, I realized, um, wait, actually, I want to be a mom. That's this other dream I have. And I went on to pursue that, not, you know, I didn't go out and become a mom the next day, but um, that was something else I I knew I wanted to do. I do hear that uh, sailboats are good for kids, though. The rocking turn, you know, puts them to sleep. Sure does. <laughs> <laughs> so how old are you here? Like 25-ish? So, yes. So sailing, uh, waiting tables, um, I did all that. Um, I, I did a little stent as a nanny. There was a lot of um, nannying happening too at that time to make money. Um, and figure out if you did actually want to live with kids. Uh-huh. Did I really? Um, I moved to Spain with a family and helped them get settled there. I came back. My friends were getting out of college, starting you know their art careers or opening art galleries everyone was trying to figure out what to do with this with this art degree and i was i i had never finished it so wow i can't believe i said that i don't really tell people that no you don't Whew. Um, <laughs> welcome to make do <laughs> although i i do kind of feel like if there's ever a degree where there's just as much value in dropping out is not it's like art school cuz like if you think about it as a novel then dropping out of art school is just as valid. <laughs> I'm an art school dropout. <laughs> yeah, that kind of makes you sound badass. <laughs> oh, I feel like you're more arty now. <laughs> like, it's more legit. But mm. I don't, like the idea of having a lot of different trial and error throughout your young adult life, I think is super healthy. And I think that that's great when every, I feel like everyone has their way of going through that and trying on 
different things. Absolutely. There are very few people that are so hyper-focused on one thing that they just pursue it forever. And those, those people, they know it, what they need, and they go for it, and they do it, and they stay on this one path, and that's fantastic for them. And then there are other people that wander and... I think that both are equally valid and they add to your story of who you are. And it was probably really important that you spent that time on the boat and essentially lived your father's life. I mean, it probably helped you understand him a little bit more. It probably helped you with what you would be painting about in the future or just influencing your personal style and who you are. Like, I think all of that stuff is so important and I love hearing people's journeys like this because the the oh I was here and then I was there and then I was in Spain and then I did a I was on a boat and then I worked for an artist like all of these little things just make this wonderful little like block structure of who you are and it's it's so I don't know I I love diving into these little stories so what happened next (laughs) yeah no it's so important it's it's everybody's journey yeah so wait so Tiff said you worked for an artist I'm trying to like pick up on What's going on where? So I came back from Spain. Um, I was only there for um, two months. And I ran into... So my friends opened this cool little gallery in Baltimore. And it was opening night. And I ran into um, an old friend from high school who is now my husband. He, I couldn't get him out of my mind. We were both single at the same time. Finally, we had always had crushes on each other. Um, and we fell madly in love. And he convinced me to come up and see him in New York every weekend. And it got to the point where I was there from Thursday to Tuesday. And um, he was like, you know this artist he used to work for was looking for a new um, studio manager, someone to help out with everything, the daily life of a incredible committed artist. Um, So I started working for him while I was in New York and then I moved there and then I worked there full time and I worked for him for seven years. Can you say his name or you don't want to? Oh, sure. Philip Perlstein. So what doing what like prepping canvases or Yes. Uh, painting all of it and then he just signed it like the old masters or <laughs> Oh no. No, 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 no. He uh, yeah, it was getting his canvases ready, managing his um archiving his incredible breadth of work. Um all of his all of the articles he'd written, all of the work he'd done. You know, before the before digital photography, everything was on slides. Photographing your work was in, on slide film. So a big part of my job was archiving those slides and scanning them and turning them into digital images. Um, it was everything. It was, um, he was, he's, he was in his eighties at the time and, um, I was helping him with his new computers, setting (laughs) up his computers and teaching him about, you know, um, how that worked and, it was really wonderful. He's an incredible person. He was a grandfather figure for me. But what's interesting is this whole time, I didn't paint. I didn't paint. And he would invite me, which was a huge invitation and honor to sit next to him and paint. And I would come up with excuses why I couldn't. And 
Um, I never showed him my work. It was gone. I had this whole block in my head of I had lost my children. I was no longer a creator. Um, but I could work for artists and I could be in the world and I could go to openings and I could soak it all in. And then I decided with her, his encouragement and my husband's encouragement, everyone's encouragement, to go back to school and finish my degree. And I, I chose a liberal arts college. And I, and I took every class except art. <laughs> um, psychology was my next favorite thing. And um, everything. I took sociology. I took all the liberal arts. And then I finally, the second year just decided for fun to take this studio art class where I could just go in and do whatever I wanted to do. And that was the second rebirth. You know, that was like, um, oh, I came alive. It was, it was amazing. And I, and we moved apartments. I, we got a bigger apartment. There was room for a studio. I set up a studio. Um, I got another job. It was like an incredible design opportunity in Soho. It was just really exciting New York life. And, uh, and I found out I was pregnant. So that studio space became um, a nursery. And that big apartment we had found in New York City became a home in the suburbs. You know, we moved. We had a second child. And that's where life just gets ahead of you. You, you know, it's not just about you anymore. It's not, it's not about, oh, I'm going to paint about my past and my ghosts and my mysteries and dreams. All of a sudden, I had these two little human beings. Who are very much in the present. Very much in the present. That, that brought me into places I had never gone. The, pa the level of patience, the level of, um, of the here and now. Exactly. I couldn't daydream too much anymore. <laughs> I feel kind of like how like you wanted you wanted to be a mother and you wanted a family and you know it's beautiful that that happened. And I also feel like this is the point where if this is the sort of biopic of your life uh -huh. is where the audience goes no, she was just no no. <laughs> it was just happening again. <laughs> well, and so that's that, that is that is, I'm going to I won't get loud. Um but that is what is so amazing about now for me the past year was you know there is some tiff and i talk about the the you do kind of become a martyr when you become a mother it's not a bad word it's you do you believe in something so much and you you put you put everything into it becoming a mother and having children and a family and a space and your home and um it just kicks in it's this part of you that um, it kicks in, it takes over. And I did give, I did push things to the side. At the time, I didn't know I was giving them up. I just sort of let them go. And to have Tiff come into my life, the timing of it was incredible because it was just when they were old enough, just when I could stop filling my time with cleaning and redecorating and I could pursue art again. And she just revved that up. She just put that like, um, I don't know, it's like a fire under me, but it's also like a cushion because it's safe with her. And, um, 
I'm not afraid. So this year is your like joyful rediscovery montage in that same biopic. <laughs> oh my gosh, the soundtrack is so happy and wonderful, and <laughs> there's bell bells and <laughs> you're backlit through the the window, and like everything is. You're wearing that messy big shirt that all painters wear that we've talked about before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she wears berets in the studio. Don't let her no. fool you. <laughs> but were you? Can I ask though? Were you? Were you sad? About, like, did I mean? Did you notice that you weren't painting? Do you know what I mean? Like, did you did you miss it? Did you feel that it was gone? Or was it just like, it's just on pause? I can't, like, this is not something, it's just not part of things right now. That's a great question because um, it's something that you're kind of, you're denying yourself, uh, your therapy, your, that's, and your way of speaking. And so looking back now, I'm like, gosh, why was I so depressed? I had these beautiful children and this awesome, amazing husband who I had always wanted to be with. And this, we moved and we had a backyard and we had everything. And I kept convincing myself I was complete and I wasn't, but, but I was still in this, I couldn't admit that it was, it's funny. uh, The things that you'll withdraw from that are so good for you in an attempt to grow up and be an adult, you think you have to just deny yourself that fun and that um, voice sometimes. I don't know. But what what's so great about now is it's so much sweeter now. It's so much better now to to rediscover it and know it was there all along and it wasn't this thing that just you give up on because it doesn't go away. It's who you are. You're born that way. And, um, oh, I feel I, I said it the other day. I, it's, I'm recalibrated. That you, you thought that you'd hidden your heart in a box and that the box was gone forever, but your heart was inside you all along. <laughs> <laughs> and things were just, things were tweaked in the wrong ways. You know, like I had turned up the contrast over here and I had tried to be this color and I had, but it, there was, it, I wasn't calibrated. There was a whole part of me missing. And yes, the heart, I mean, the heart was with the kids and the family. Um, it's the soul, I think, is the art. It's the soul and it's the, um, the ticking, you know, it's, uh, it's a life force. So it's back and it feels so good. And it's so I I wouldn't want to share it with anyone else. Having Tiff um, and that studio, I sound amazing. <laughs> well, can we talk about Tiff for a second because no, she no. is amazing? No, I was just um, about to ask. Like, tell us all the annoying stuff that Tiff does. Nope, yeah, you nope. need to say some annoying stuff. No, nope. I'm getting a big head over. I here. don't have a thing. Sorry. No, and her um, watching her paint, you know, I thought she kind of she kind of did this thing where she was like, "Let's share a studio so you can teach me everything about art and everything you learned." And um, I did. I'm manipulative. <laughs> very, very. And then I, every time I come in, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm right. I'm supposed to be telling Tiff stuff." Uh, and then I look over at her side, and there's these incredibly realistic eyes staring back at me or these apples that I want to pick up and eat. Um, I'm kind of starting to feel like she has some things to teach me. 
Uh, <laughs> I have no technique. I don't know. <laughs> it's amazing watching her grow. Jamie a- always panics when I pick a subject. And she's like, ooh, do you want to do that? Are you sure? Like, let's let's start with like one glass. As I wipe as I wipe out the same she, face for the twentieth like, time. Like, How about one apple? Sir? <laughs> one apple. Then later two. Because and I'm remember, like, no, Jamie, twelve half apples. That's what I need to do. The, those are the voices in my head. Those are my teachers from the past. Like, no, Jamie, you want to paint this, but you need to paint a self-portrait for six months. <laughs> you need to stare into the mirror. You need to use this paint. Anyway, it's it's within Tiff. It's it's um she's she's got a guide in her in her inside. What is it like, though, to suddenly, again, like being the kind of person you sound like to suddenly be an authority to someone? Oh, I'm not an authority to someone. She, she doesn't listen to me. Well, that, that's exactly what makes you an authority. <laughs> I feel like we said we're back to being like kids. I'm the rebellious teenager that's like, what up, teach? I'm not going to listen to you. I'm like still <laughs> life, yet, Tiffany, like, still life. In the back of my mind, I'm like, there are no lines. There are only color meets color. And look but at this. these shadows. And, and black and white aren't just black and white. They have tons of color. Like, I hear your voice. Everything that you have said to me and taught me every time I'm painting, I hear them, even though I'm painting 12 apples instead of the one you wanted me to paint. <laughs> See, now, isn't that interesting right there? Um, along with this podcast... Um, and being on here and speaking, Tiffany, Tiffany's given me a place to speak. Yeah, we talk a lot. I mean, <laughs> not just talking about our lives, but putting me in that position of, oh, you're the artist and, and you can show me the way. Um, she's doing that for a reason. She, she knew I didn't have a voice. She has this way of seeing what someone else needs and kind of tricking them into manipulating. Um, no, is the word no, no. Guiding. <laughs> um, she's, yeah, she's given me, uh, she's given me a voice. Are you guys crying and hugging now? Maybe. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, a, little, a little bit. A little bit. I want to tell people. So Jamie recently um, opened up her Instagram account. And uh, now that she is doing more paintings. And so I wanted to tell the audience kind of where they can find Jamie if they want to go look at some of the work that she's been doing. Um, She is uh, Jamie K. McKenzie on Instagram. And she also has a website, which is jamiekmckenzie.com. And we'll put those links in our show notes in case anyone wants to go check those out because she's nervous about it. She's biting her fingernail right now, like as I'm saying it, because she isn't used to this kind of exposure, but we are, um, we know what's best for her right now. Yeah. And and (laughs) we highly recommend a scroll down as well. Yeah. Uh, And and those show notes, uh, I I, I just want to ask first, like if, if you were going to leave our, our, friends slash listeners or friends dinners uh with like something nice that <laughs> if you were going to leave our our listeners slash buddies with something that they should try or something to take with them like something either like very literally like paint well apparently not apples because none of us can follow instructions um <laughs> but like something that's made you really happy or or made a big difference in how you paint or create well I have so many answers 
for me and my style and the way that I make art, for me, some of the best, uh, well, the therapy really is, is getting things out. So if you could, if you could find a way to take a dream you had or a trauma you've experienced or just something you need to get out, but you don't have the words and you find a medium whether it's paint or drawing or pottery or whatever it is, and you just get it out. Just um, It doesn't have to be a painting of the memory. It doesn't have to be – it's just just feel it. I don't know. That's what I can say is just – That's a lovely way to end this, okay. this episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I work. So I want to say a big thank you for Jamie for coming out here. And it's it, I've been trying to get her onto the show for a little while, but she has been protective of her studio time, as she should, like we were practicing. So I was very proud of her saying no to me multiple times because she was painting in the studio. And I think that that is wonderful. But we finally got her here this morning. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing all the things that you did. Uh I'm going to re-listen to this episode myself, even oh, though you I was guys, on it, because this... I just, I really like hearing your voice. Oh, so. and no, this has been such a pleasure. I, I really admire you guys and what you're doing. Um, and I and I can tell it's helping me. So I'm sure there are thousands of souls that you are speaking to in beautiful ways. I feel like it's a very high praise that you will voluntarily keep listening to tiff even when you could like have the studio to yourself <laughs> yes i love her voice and she's there with me in your podcast so those show notes are at relay.fm slash make do or in your podcast appy thingy if your podcast appy thingy does that uh and you can find us at make do pod on twitter and instagram and individually at tiffany armand and at julia scott and We'll be back in a fortnight with more or fewer feels. Who knows? But until then, go make and do.